Welcome to Movie Maker. I'm Tim Malloy, and in case you hear some construction noise or people yelling, I'm walking here, or NY students writing an avant-garde play, it's because I'm in New York City this morning. I'm here because last night I hosted a Q&A about the wonderful new film Coast, directed by Jessica Hester and Derek Schweikert, who you may remember from episode 104 of this very podcast. Here at Movie Maker, we're very excited about the release of Coast, first because it's great, and second because it was made with help from Movie Maker Production Services, which is a service of Movie Maker that helps you double the budget for your indie production. You can visit moviemaker.com MMPS for more on that. When I talked to Jessica and Derek last year, their film was making the festival rounds, and now it's playing at many theaters nationwide, is out on VOD, and we did the Q&A last night at the Angelica, one of the greatest, coolest theaters anywhere. I love getting to talk to filmmakers when they're at the festival stage as they collect reviews and form alliances and build up a passionate audience. And that's exactly the case for our guest today. Nadine Crocker is an actor, writer, and director who I really respect for the way she just goes for it and everything she does creatively. And her new film, Continue, is her directorial feature debut. Continue is a somewhat autobiographical film that handles very difficult to talk about subject matter, but things that are really important to talk about. And one of Nadine's goals with the film is to break down some of the stigma around discussions of mental illness and suicide. Continue is about a young woman named Dean, who is suffering from intense depression and tries to kill herself, as her father did. She's given a 5150, which places her involuntarily in a mental institution, but there she finds unlikely friends, including a Compello fellow patient played by Leo Tipton, and a doctor played by Emily Deschanel. Eventually she meets a great guy, played by Shiloh Fernandez, and builds a beautiful life, all to find out that some decisions can't be undone. In this episode, Nadine Crocker talks very openly about her own struggles that inspired the story, and about the DIY, all-in movie making she did to get this film made. Stay with us all the way through, because I think this is going to be inspiring to anybody struggling with getting their own films made, and hopefully, also to anyone feeling isolated and dealing with mental illness. Continue recently screened at Cinejoy and continues making the festival rounds, where I hope you'll check it out. And now, here's Nadine Crocker, writer, director, and star of Continue. Nadine Crocker, congratulations on this, your debut feature film. It's absolutely wild. I just want to commend you on taking like big swings because there's so many cool twists in here that I'm not going to reveal um, that just really went for it. And I think that's that's really what I look for in movies now is like movies that don't make like a simple, safe, easy movie, take big swings. And you really took big swings. Thank you so much. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Where did the idea come from and how did this originate? I mean, I know it's pretty autobiographical. Yeah, um, it all, I mean, it's based on a, a true suicide attempt I took all my life when I was 23. Um, I've battled with depression most of my life. I've also um, have suicide in my family. So it's kind of been something that's been there since birth, you know, um, and, uh, and only through getting out of those years did I realize that, you know, not that I'm out of them, I'll always have those battles that would, that will be part of, you know, my journey, but through getting out of those years and wanting to work through it, I kind of had the courage to start 
writing some scenes and being like, you know, I want to, I want to look at that. I want to look at those feelings. I want to kind of try and process some of that. And through doing that and exposing myself and exposing my story, a lot of people were coming to me and telling me they had similar stories or similar feelings. And the worst part about all of that for me was the isolation. I always felt alone and like something was wrong with me. And the more I talk about it, the more I realize that I'm not unique in that and that there are a lot of people with these struggles. Um, and, you know, some of the big twists in the film are what I knew I, that's where it started. It was like, that's what I want to do. I want to show them, you know, this beautiful journey and that your life can completely change after that night. And you have no idea what's around the corner. And, you know, life can change like that. We've seen it where it feels like everything's stacking against you. And then all of a sudden the day comes and it breaks and you feel that relief and that breath. And that's, you know, really where the film came from and that idea and basically hoping that I could get people to live one more day and to put one foot in front of the other and to realize that everything could change tomorrow. You just have to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And it really does get that across. I mean, it, it truly does. And for me, I, I appreciated how much alcohol is kind of in the background, kind of hiding in plain sight. Um, like I quit drinking about 10 years ago and it's just the way that it sort of contributes to depression and like cyclical mistakes and things like that, I thought was really well handled. And you also never really beat people over the head with like, you know, you have to, um, you have to do this. You've watched this movie. Now you have to make a change in your life. You just kind of let people draw their own conclusions, especially the Emily Dashnell character. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's what I wanted people to, my whole mission was to make a movie that made people talk and think afterwards to make their own decisions. I didn't even want to define what anything of the ending was. And a lot of times when people ask, I'm like, well, what do they think? What do you know? What do you think? Because I want them to come to their own conclusions, but I'm also, I'm six years sober. So it's this, yeah, same part of my journey. And honestly, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot of those years had to do with drinking and drinking a depressant to feel less lonely and, you know, depressed clearly didn't work. And so that was part of my journey. And I wanted to make sure to really highlight that. And, you know, cause I get a lot of people messaging me like, how did you change it? How did you turn it around? And so I was like, I want to, I'll show you like, this is how I'll show you. Now, does that mean that that has to be part of your journey or your choice? No, that is your choice. Yeah. But for me, it was a big problem and it unleashed a lot of pain inside. And so that had to be part of my journey. And that's why I wanted to really highlight that. But also once again, it's your choice. It's what, what is right for me isn't right for everybody, you know, but but these are the things that helped change my life, you know, cutting out alcohol and drugs and opening up to the people around me and finding a community and, and, you know, finding my people in the world and realizing you can't, yeah, I'm not for everybody. I won't be, and I can't please everyone, but my people will find me or see me and, and accept that. And, you know, I feel the same way about the film. I, 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 the big things I took 
not everyone's probably going to love. Um, I love it. And I think that my people who get what I'm trying to do will, you know, and, and that's all I can really worry about. You know, I made a film that, that I love and that I'm proud of. And at the end of the day, that's really all I can do. You know, it's all you can do as an artist because everyone will have their own interpretation or their own opinions and my people will find me hopefully, (laughs) you know, there's this thing Chris Rock said and, you know, obviously Chris Rock is getting some attention lately, but um, I think he said years ago, which was to be the biggest stand-up comedian in the world, you only need like one out of 300 people to like you. And I'm totally paraphrasing, but if you get a million fans, you're the biggest stand-up on earth. And it's, it's kind of like that with film. I mean, if you can get one out of 500 people to like your film, that's still a lot of people. And, you know, it's kind of every filmmaker's struggle is how do I make, am I swinging for the masses? Am I swinging for a particular group? Am I trying to like super serve people who get me? And, you know, who, who knows where it turns out. And a lot of people who think they were just super serving one audience end up having a giant hit on their hands. You just never know. Was it knowing that so many people and so many strangers are going to see this, was it really difficult to talk about it? I don't, I think it was, I don't think it was necessarily difficult to talk about because I've come to this part of my life that I want to be a vessel. And so if I want people to not have to go through the same pain I went through, then I have to be honest about that and my journey so that hopefully they don't have to do the same struggles. They, they can maybe learn from my mistakes or from my, my journey or my story. So it wasn't necessarily it isn't that difficult as of right now, but when I was first starting for sure, it was scary. I'd say more than anything that, you know, people might see it and be like, Oh, that girl's crazy. Or, you know, Oh, I can't identify with that. Or, you know, and, and so there was that fear at first, but um, every time I talk about this movie, every time I post about it, every time the amount of support and love and people saying, Hey, me too. I feel this too is constantly flowing in. So I think it really made it easy to get past that fear. If I'm honest, realizing like, once again, I might not be for everybody, but there are people out there who get it, who have felt that same pain. And, And more than anything, I wanted them to be able, no one wants to see a movie about depression that pulls all its punches, that the pretty girl gets the ending and life is perfect. And I wanted it to be really realistic. And I really wanted people who, you know, have those same battles to see themselves in Dean and to see a character that actually portrayed that pain. And, you know, that was really, really important to me. And, you know, that's, that's, I think where that bravery came from. It was like, it's okay to be afraid you have to step into that because you're doing this for a bigger reason than just creating a film. I want to help people. I really do. I'm, I donated part of the proceeds from this film to charity and, you know, I, I want to create a foundation. I'm in the process of trying to get that started. And so, you know, I wanted it to be way more than just a film. So it made me braver than maybe I, I wanted to be at times, but the more I walk into that bravery, the easier it gets. I'll say that, you know, which is a beautiful thing. If you keep putting yourself out there, eventually it feels really normal to do that. And I guess what I've seen and like the other day on the Q&A after the premiere, all the actors were talking about how it was on set and just that they had never been on a set like that with this vulnerability that every moment the camera wasn't rolling, people were talking about their deepest 
parts of their life, their struggles, the beauty, all of it. And there was just this freedom. And what I've realized is like through being extremely vulnerable and being honest about my life or my struggles, or just a day to day of like, this is how I'm actually feeling today. Let's check in. Like, how is everyone else? It makes everyone else around you do it too. It makes them feel safe to do it. And you'll be shocked at these meaningful connections that can come from the bravery to just be honest with who you are and where you're at. So it sounds like it was more therapeutic than traumatic to revisit some of this stuff. It was. And mainly also, I think, because I was very careful and, and I really went with my gut and my heart and my intuition when choosing the people I worked with. And I, you know, interviewed a lot of crew and it didn't really matter what the resume or the, all of that was. It was, how is our connection in front of me? What is there? Almost everyone who ended up on the film has a connection with mental health, with suicide, with depression, either in their family or their own lives. And just the amount of commitment I got from each person on my team, on my crew, just everybody was pretty insane. And, and from the sound of it, it doesn't sound like something that normally happens on all sets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was a really beautiful process and yeah, it didn't, I mean, while there were painful scenes to revisit or more painful scenes to like do, like I was I felt so sick day after day from simulating drunk and from like, you know, doing all of those things like emotionally that like there was exhaustion, I'd say, but there, it never really felt like revisiting trauma because I had such a beautiful support around me. So many, like I'd come off from a scene and every face would be soaked with tears and they'd hug me and there was love. And so it never felt scary in that aspect. I just felt so supported, you know, and we tried to make sure everyone felt supported because we were not, we were not taking on easy topics, you know, and yeah, like we're talking about some of the hardest things possible to talk about. So I always wanted to make sure everyone felt love and support, you know, in every aspect of that journey that I'm asking them to go on, you know? Yeah. One of the most striking things to me is when Dean gets a 5150 and has to go into a mental health facility. And I know people who had to do that and just how awful it is. Um, is that is that autobiographical? Did you have to do that? So that is like one of the things that strays from my story. I actually, because of the level of manipulation and you know tactics at that time, I talked my way out of a 5150 and you can see the manipulation a little bit in Dean and Janet's scene and how she's trying to play her and kind of not necessarily answer every question, but turn it to what she wants to say. And I've had a lot of people be like, that scene has a lot of manipulation. I was like, oh, I'm glad you picked up on it because the real part of it is, yeah, I... I got them to release me. I got them to release me to the person that I blamed it all on, which is crazy. Like the, the mental health healthcare system kind of, I don't want to say it failed. And me in that time is like, I should have, I absolutely should have, but I was really sly with my, you know, with my words. And I ended up being able to be released. And then, um, I did an outpatient like scenario and was in AA every day and did, you know, I, and therapy, like, I think it started at three times a week, then it went down to two times a week. Like, so I very heavily did it outside of the program. I mean, outside of the institution, but that was the one part that differed, um, from my story. Can you talk about just your journey from being an actor to being a director and a writer? I mean, that's, 
first, how did you get into acting? And then how did that lead to this? Which is so awesome. And in, I know it doesn't seem like a short time to you, but like a relatively short time, like you're a young director. Yeah, well, that <laughs> it feels like a lifetime to me, but yeah, I mean, you're right. And it, it's not as long as I'm sure it takes a lot of people too to be able to direct their first film. And yeah, I mean, I, I dropped out of high school and moved here on my own when I was 16. So I've been on myself, fully supporting myself since 16 um, in this city. Uh, basically been a waitress at every restaurant you can be, you know? And so that was part of my journey, auditioning like four or five times a day and, you know, with the whole reps and, and all of that. And um, when I had, I always knew I wanted to direct, but when I had my son, I actually, there was a period where I got dropped by my reps. I think they didn't really know what they were going to do with me anymore. I was like the hot young chick who now had a mom and, you know, was having to take time off. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me, um, truthfully, because it made me realize like, these were all reps, by the way, who weren't ever taking my words seriously, never would read my writing. Like I was just kind of like the hot client to them. Um, and I, I think they, they probably were never going to see me in this other light. So by them, you know, leaving me behind, I was able to become this what I want it to be, you know, and really where else can you have this complete rebirth than rock bottom or like, you know, that completely, I had no idea what I was going to do is holding this brand new baby three weeks after having him. And I was the financial breadwinner in my family. So it was like, what the hell am I going to do? You know? And wow. And then I just took this deep breath and was like, I'm going to put everything into continuum. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be brave enough to believe that I can do this. And I had already had the script ready. And I just did this thing where, you know, that perfectionism thing, which I also think is half of us being too afraid to actually go for it. You know, like I say it was, I was getting it ready, but I think I was actually scared. I was scared to expose that part of myself. And, and because I was worried about the reception it would get, and I got exactly the reception I thought I would get, which is no one wants to talk about mental health and no one wants to talk about suicide. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, I do. Um, so I'm going to prove you wrong, basically. And I'm not going to stop until I open this conversation up, because if I don't do it, who will? It's very clear that, you know, I just felt like not a lot of people, even if they do kind of touch on it, they don't really touch on the pain or where it comes from or the isolation and, and all of those things. So I guess I took it as like my personal responsibility to never give up until I could create a story for us, you know, for us people who have felt that pain. And, yeah. and then, yeah, then became the journey of being brave enough to send it to Cassie and Elways, who is my EP and my mentor. And then now my manager and, you know, one of my closest friends and, um, and he believed in me and he believed in what I was doing. And only years later did I find out why. And that's also because, you know, only through my film, like, which is also so surreal sometimes that I'm like, if I hadn't been brave enough to make this film, to be honest about my struggles, so many other people wouldn't be honest about theirs. But, you know, on a podcast for the first time, you admitted to everyone in this industry has worked with forever that his dad committed suicide, you know, and and all of these people have come forward with their stories because of seeing my film and because I did, you know? And so, yeah, he was the first person who really believed in me and me directing it and, and helped me Carrie Barton and Paul Schnee, my amazing, you know, like Oscar winning casting directors uh, believed in me and, and believed in my direction for this film. And, 
and what I was trying to do. And just a lot of people rallied behind me and used every goddamn connection they had to help me advance this script, to help me see this film. You know, one of the people who helped us in a huge way that like, you know, still feels very surreal because he's very close with my producer was um, Chris Uvain and he recently passed from suicide. And so there's just these moments where I didn't really know why everyone helped me in the way they did, but I guess what I found out is because there's a lot more people that have been touched by this subject than I knew, you know, and, and it has only pushed me forward in this journey of like, I will, I won't give up, like, you know, until more people see this film until more people, you know, hopefully choose to live. Yeah. It's one of the biggest stigmas there is, and it's just, anything that kind of kicks the door open and gets it out in the open is so positive. And it feels like it, it does take somebody like you to say, I'm willing to talk openly about this to get that conversation started. But like, I just, even talking about, even right now, like people I know who've been through this, I almost feel like I shouldn't out them or something like that. Um, so I don't want to get into like specifics, but it's just, it would have been helpful to like see this movie a few years ago when stuff was going on and it's also talking to you I just think about people I know who have completely changed which is kind of the thesis of the movie where four or five years ago you were just like I do not see any good outcome here like this is going to be so bad and now it's their life is great it's just it really does happen and it I don't know I don't know if I've seen a lot of movies that have gotten that across and especially not from the point of view of somebody who's been through it and is now writing it and directing it and starring in it I think that's really helpful. Well, thank you. And I I feel the same way. I mean, there's so many times where I'm like, you know, we still are in the world of, we have to sell this thing and we have to get it out into the world. And I just like, there's such this deep feeling of knowing that there's so many people that need to see this, you know, and, and that's what fuels me. It fuels me through that rejection that, you know, I might go up against or, those scary days or, you know, maybe the interview that doesn't go as good or whatever it is. So I constantly come back to you and like, you just, you know, you voicing that just, it gave me chills. And I'm like, I, I feel it in my bones. And, and I have seen those transformations. I am that transformation. Like, you know, my closest friends and family who have been with me for a really long time. I think if you would ask them, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, you know, a few years ago, if they thought that, I'd be where I am today, who I am today, you know, with as strong a head on my shoulders as I have now today, I feel like, yeah, they probably wouldn't have thought it was possible, but like, I'm living proof. And so many people that, you know, too, like that you can change everything if you choose to, it all starts with choice, which is why I really wanted to highlight choice in this movie. You know, it's up to you to make these choices. And you can do it. You know, I have chills as I say it now, but leave it in my bones. Yeah. This is maybe a weird question, but where are you originally from? Because I like your take on LA a lot. Like I'm from LA and have left LA and sort of like, I don't know, like I feel like I've, I lived there long enough, but like watching this, it has such a beautiful take on Los Angeles. Like it's just, it just seems like a really idealized, pretty version of the city and is that your view of LA now 
I have so many different views of LA over the years. I have the views of like being poor and living in every area I could afford and like it being painful and rejection and then years of it being beautiful and all of that. But like, I, I grew up in Fresno, California. I moved here when I was 16 though. So I feel like my true years of growing up, like when people ask where I'm from, I say LA, I mean, well, not technically, but you know, like, because most of my true years of growth have been here and have been through drinking and unraveling and, and all of that here and then complete rebirth and growth from here as well. And, you know, this town can be extremely isolating when you first come and, and you can feel extremely lonely. And there are moments of that. And there's moments of that in this film, but there's also finding your community and finding your friends and finding like your little group of humans and that can completely change the city and then all of a sudden it's like this adventure and this you know where dreams come true and films are shot left and right well not necessarily anymore I feel like LA like doesn't like filming anymore but I was adamant that it had to be here and it couldn't be anywhere else because this was these were the streets I grew on like I grew up on I unraveled on and then became who I am today on, you know? And like, I feel like there's just like this growth in this city is like, I probably started in North Hollywood in the Valley and all of those things. And now I live in Santa Monica and I walk by the beach every day. So it just feels like that full arc, like you can find in LA through all the different areas and finding your, your place that makes you happy and um, finding your people. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love LA. I'm in love with Los Angeles and it's like where else in the world can you meet so many people who are just here trying to make dreams come true? Like there's, you know, you meet more people than not like either the really awesome ones who were born and raised here because almost all the people I meet that are just like so down to earth and cool are from here. And then there's us transplants that are great, you know, like make this city a little nutty. Um, but you know, it's just, there's almost always that thing in common when you meet someone where you're like, Oh, I came here for this. Oh, I came here for this. Well, Oh, how have you done? You know, it's just, I love that kind of community of struggling artists, you know, that you can find here. It's hard to make it look new. And I felt like this movie really just gave some different perspectives, whether it was like shooting, I think there's like a shot outside Atwater liquor or something. And I was like, that's like just a really cool shot. Like that's just a good way to look at the city. And there's also one where a lot of people are on a rooftop. This isn't spoiling anything, but a lot yeah. of people are on a rooftop. And I think it's like middle of Hollywood. Like it looks like around the arc light. And it was just like totally gorgeous. Just such good locations, just such good use of LA. Oh, thank you. We were like really adamant. I mean, from living here so long, I knew all the different little areas. And I mean, almost every bar we filmed in was a free location because we've worked in every bar, like between me and my producer, like it was all the favorite cards. Like, you know, my favorite part of this whole journey was like, you know, that a lot of people won't know. And I want to share this because I don't think I have before is that I was waitressing all the way through. Like I got to leave the week I started prep and actually had all the money in the account. So I was um, at a place called Sawyer and Kettle Black and, and Silver Lake. And we filmed, um, a bunch of our locations in both of those spots. And then, you know, like the same with my producing partner, we're filming in these places where we've, we're serving tables and got to finally leave that to make this dream come true. And it's like, 
that is how this city is. That's how this, you know, it is like you could be waitressing one day and just auditioning. And then the next day you book something that changes your whole life. I mean, you know, Javicia Leslie is one of my great friends and she's the new uh, Batgirl on CW show. And we waitress, we ran lines together. I helped her do self tapes. And then next thing I know, I'm going to film and direct a movie and she books that. And like, it's just, I drive past her billboards, like this girl, you know what I mean? Cause those are those moments. It's, it's how this city really is. And, you know, and it's their realistic version of it. I was really waitressing table. Like, you know, there's this part of it that literally no one knows. This was the first time I'm ever even admitting this, but Leo Tipton, who is my, you know, plays Bria in my movie is one of my best friends in the film and just one of my favorite souls alive now from working with her and getting to know her. I had just put an offer into her and to, to direct her and to, to, work with them. And they walked in the bar that I was working at, like the day the offer went in. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want them to know me as a waitress. I want them to know me as a director. And like, they got sat in my section and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do it. Like, but I went over and had to do the introduction, got the drink order and then talked to who, one of my friends into serving them. Cause I was like, please, like if we talk too long and I I'm supposed to be meeting with her like a week from now, like wow. they're going to remember, you know? And it was, it was one of those surreal moments, but like, that's how it all can change. You know, I've never even told Leo that I, I don't oh think so I'm going to have to tell them that, but this LA stuff happens all the time though. I remember I was listening to a podcast with like John Hamm, I think it was. And he was talking about like people who were cool at the restaurant where he worked and if you'd see them later, there's so many of those. It's just, oh my God, that is, that is a real like commercial for LA. It's true. Yeah, and it really I, is. And, it, and it's like a, a little note from me to the dreamers who, you know, hopefully will read this, hear this, however it ends up going of like, you can't give up. You cannot give up. That is the difference between you and all of these other people, you know, is the staying power is, is, can you stay standing when you, every goddamn door has hit you in the face? It hurts. I know, but like, you got to keep going. Yeah. Leo Tipton's awesome in this also. I remember just watching it. I was like, who, where do I know them from? Like somewhere I cannot figure it out. And then I was like, oh, damsels in distress, the Whit Stoneman movie, which is, he's one of my favorite directors ever. So oh, I've never even seen that. So I have to watch. It's great. It's totally great. It's super weird. It's a wonderful movie. Yeah. Oh, it sounds right up my alley. I can't wait to check it out. Crazy Stupid Love is obviously one of the first ones that I saw them and was like mesmerized. And there's just this lovable characteristic to Leo that you just can't help but love them. You know, like the the second that you meet them, it's it's they just have this way of winning you over. And immediately I was like, I, <laughs> that's what I said. I think I was literally at our first meeting and was like, well, tell me who said that. I, I got in, and they were like, you're a mama bear. I was like, oh, I'm a mama bear and I already love you. So just know that like anything you ever need, you call me, you know? And, and yeah, it was just, you find your people, like, honestly, the universe, you know, whatever your beliefs are, like, I believe that wholeheartedly 
Every door that's ever been shut was for an exact reason to bring me exactly to my people, to where I am today. You know, like I think about that all the time. Had I gotten some of those huge roles I was up for that, you know, didn't pan out and I hadn't gone to exactly where I was on my kitchen floor, crying hysterically, having no idea how I'm going to support a child and how I'm going to proceed forward. Exactly that moment is why I'm here today and why I'm getting to tell this story and why I'm actually getting to do what I always wanted to do, which is to help people through my art and to continue to make films that say something that, you know, that are different and unique and, and me. Yeah. You know, you have so many good roles for actors and I think it's why you got so many good actors. Uh, Maybe, I mean, I'm just, theorizing but it's like everybody gets a pretty solid monologue and it's a solid backstory and there's nobody who's just kind of like yeah they're just in the background they're just kind of there supporting the main character everybody has their own back history was that something that you consciously did thinking is that just is that something that you really wanted to emphasize because a lot of movies don't do it yeah to me no one was not important in this story because they're almost all based on people in my life and, or, you know, as Leo likes to explain too, almost everyone in this film is also kind of based on me. Like Leo's character is my struggles with addiction and, um, and isolation and making the choice if I could actually quit and do that because quitting and doing that also meant life. Like I knew what was and change and what would have to happen, you know, if I did make that choice and, you know, so a lot of it is a lot of these characters were different struggles I've had in my life at different times. So everyone was really important to me and, and kind of spoke to different people that I wanted to speak to. I mean, even down to um, Jay Seals, my producing partner also played Carter in the film and like, uh, you know, a, a, a veteran dealing with PTSD. And so there were just so many people that I wanted to speak to and, 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 that I know struggle. And so it was just so much more than smaller characters. Everyone meant something immensely to me. And if I'm real honest with you, we have a pretty long runtime, but my first cut was three hours and 40 minutes. So that's a problem. Like as Cassian says, I don't understand how you shot that much footage. And I'm like, I really don't either. Um, But that is basically to say there was even more to everyone's arc. It became a problem where I had to really, kill some darlings like you know and that was really difficult to do that being said I really tried to honor every character and make sure that they still had their full arc and their full moment that we got to know them and know their story and while they might not have the you know 11 minute arc that they were supposed to have they have that it was still there and it was still present everyone was really important to me and um and every storyline because they almost always were speaking to someone I wanted to, to speak to, you know? So I thank you for saying that. That makes me happy. Well, even Jay Seal's scene, his big scene is really good and like really makes an impact. I'm gonna think about that for a long time and not in the movie for that long, but really impactful in the movie. Thank you. I think so too. And funny enough, that's a lot of people that I talk to. It's my father, my father's favorite scene in that entire movie. He can't talk about that scene without crying because, um, you know, and, and my father's is who actually lost his father to suicide. So in order to kind of speak to the years of conversations he and I have had, I made it first person so that I could speak 
um, you know, his words, if that makes sense and losing his father to suicide and how it completely altered my father's life and the holes that left behind and the unanswered questions. And it was all really important to me to touch on but his favorite movie in that whole scene is the innocence between those two and the choice that they're making in that moment to connect, even if it was for the last time for Carter or what, you know, wherever, you know, that path is, it's just that pure innocence and beauty that life can have, you know, and you know, it's one, it is, it's one of my favorite films in the scene, or film, favorite scenes in the film. Yeah. Wow. I, I ask this a lot and everybody always says no, but I'll ask it anyway. Have you taken a minute to just like enjoy that you succeeded at this? Like you worked so hard on it for so long. Have you just taken a second to go like, Hey, I did it. Or is it just like, there's still another thing to do. There's still another thing to do. I think we'll always feel like there's still another thing to do because as the like partial financier producer, you know, <laughs> director, all of the things, like there's always things I have to do for continue and worries I have to worry about. That being said, I cried pretty much this entire weekend with gratitude. I, so yes, my answer is yes. I absolutely all weekend and week I have taken a pause from my next films that I'm in the middle of prepping that I'm getting ready to leave for and was like, nope, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not answering any of these emails. I am sitting in, I did it. And that I, you know, maybe might not please everyone. I'm really weary about ever reading reviews or things like that. But I've had a few sent to me that were like, you have to read this. And I was like, okay, this better be good (laughs) because if you're telling me I have to read it and then it's something that's soul crushing, I'm going to be real sad. Um, And then I found myself reading it, crying hysterically, just being like, I knew my people would get it. They'd get me. And, And some of them get it so in depth that they've even named movies that inspired me. You know, like one of the, uh, the review I'm talking about in particular, um, from film inquiry, like named sliding doors, which is one of my favorite films, but literally is kind of how I got the idea for some of the things I won't go into the specifics of what things it inspired, but, and they, they named my inspiration films. They named characters that, I mean, girl interrupted made me want to become an actress. Angelina Jolie's character in that film changed my entire life. And she referenced that film and that character in particular. And I'm just sitting there crying. And my mom's like, and my family is who sent it to me. And we're like crying, like, they get you. <laughs> like, I'm like, I know, I feel so seen, you know? So yes, I am absolutely embracing that moment because we get so much rejection and pain in this industry and roles we wish we could have got and, you know, there's just so many of those moments. And I was like, I want to sit in this moment so I can take this feeling with me everywhere I go from this point forward. When you get that door slammed again or something happens, or maybe my next one's not as received. I can remember this feeling right here is like, you did it. You know, you have made it this far and wherever it goes from here, you did what you set out to do, you know? which happens to be one of the hardest things a human being can do. And I don't mean it like, you know, Hollywood, glad handing, rich people giving each other Oscars, whatever. I mean, like, just from like, for a normal human being who had to go through this whole process, the difficulty of making a movie and a successful movie is so huge. And I think everybody just assumes that like, 
oh yeah, um, some rich studio just dumped a bunch of money on someone and it's super easy from there. And no, it's really, really hard. And I think it's actually a lot harder for you as like a, a person who bootstrapped this and did it all yourself than it is for like, I don't know, a Steven Spielberg or whatever, who kind of says, I want to make this movie. And they go, oh, okay, here, here's money. Like, I think why I'm so honest about the whole process of making this film is because I want other people to know like that you can do it, that you just have to be brave enough to try. And, you know, I only really, I admitted this recently, but most people don't know this. I had to move in with my family because of COVID, because of the expenses that arose. And we couldn't finish the film if I didn't take out numerous credit cards and numerous, like I had to do whatever it took because all of a sudden now the world is shut down. These new COVID like expenses are coming up. We were trapped out of the post house. It was just like, not only did I make it to my dream, film a movie, finish it, but then the entire world shut down and something no one foresaw came up. And I was like, okie dokie, just got punched in the gut. Now, how do you move forward? So it's not like you get through this monumental thing and you're like, okay, I've arrived. It's easy now. Yeah. No, you had, I had to still continue to struggle to get it completed, to get it to here today. I had to move in with my family, with my son and my husband for the first time since I mean, really 15, because I've been on my own since 16. Yeah. That was not easy. <laughs> every filmmaker I know has had something like that happen. And I mean, we were publishing, we published three issues of Movie Maker out of my mother-in-law's basement because we like fled LA <laughs> to be closer to family because we were like, we're going to have a really tiny child very soon. Um, I don't know what we're going to do if it's just us out here with like no family. We're going to Boston, Massachusetts and it's yeah I lived with my mother-in-law for a year um it's you know and we liked it so much we live across the street now (laughs) (laughs) I love that I'm I'm honestly very jealous of that me and my husband didn't have any family here and I I said like if I were to do it again I think I would move and be closer to family because it's just like yeah. Oh man, to have that relief of, you know, hey, you want to babysit today? Or oh. just like that numerous people of love, like it kind of takes you off so much, some of the pressure of you, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been a hard two years for everybody. I mean, it, everybody, but to also <laughs> the people who make a movie during that are superhuman. So congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing that too. It makes me feel like, you know, oh. You feel like you're the only person and you feel like kind of embarrassed. I was, I was, I think in my gut, I probably wouldn't have admitted it now. I can now, you know, that I was a little bit embarrassed, you know, like I had to move back home after so many years and I swore I'd never do that. And then here I was, but it was all for good reason. And, and, you know, I kept the faith that it happened. It would work out exactly how it did. And then because of continue and finishing it and moving home, I had a screening for just producers and people in the industry. I just wanted, we just want to get some feedback. And two producers that came that day offered me two movies by the end of that screening. And yeah. And so I ended up getting my income that brought me back to LA through a film that I got paid to rewrite and I'm directing and I'm, I leave in two weeks to go location scout in New Jersey. And so it's like, 
from this craziness and from this thing that felt like, holy shit, here we come rock bottom again, living in mom and dad's bed, like bedroom upstairs. <laughs> and, you know, like all of this stuff, I, I kept the faith. I always knew it would be okay. And then sure enough, it led me to the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, it, it kind of always works out that way. It, you have no idea that sometimes the hardest things you can go through end up being blessings, you know? Amen. A hundred percent. And I don't know if you're allowed to say it, but if you want to, can you talk about what's next, the New, Jer- the New Jersey project? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, what's what's next next, as things stand right now, is a film in Mississippi um, called Desperation Road. It's by, based on an amazing uh, novel by Michael Ferris Smith, and Cassie and Always is producing it. Um, I don't think I can say the exciting cast that we have, but what I can tell you is that they were my dream cast. Wow. Um, and like one of my muses of I've written so many roles for, and I'm actually getting to work with, um, which is pretty much I've been pinching myself ever since. And um, I just finished location scouting there. And then uh, as soon as I wrap edit on that film, I go straight to New Jersey um, to film a, a project called Hallow, which I actually um, did a page one rewrite and has become pretty much my new baby, um, like my next continue. And it's another, um, Desperation Road is a little bit lighter and um, it's just a beautiful story of life and struggles and how fake kind of connect us all. But um, Hallow is another really in-depth look at childhood trauma, um, sexual assault, and coming to terms with that trauma. And a lot of it's kind of about addiction too. It's one man's struggle and unraveling and looking at this trauma he's long shut out and figuring out how he's going to deal with it going forward and what choice he's going to make if a choice of revenge or or forgiveness. And, um, I'm really trying to do something like really special with that film. It's, I want to put people in that seat. You know, I, I think that there is a lot of misunderstanding about trauma and especially childhood trauma. You know, it seems that everyone wants to help these children and these, you know, young, um, girls and boys, um, but once they're older, they kind of are like, shouldn't you be over it? And that's just not how trauma works and trauma stays with you forever. And it's really how you work through it as an adult that you become who you're going to be. And I've had, I've experienced a lot of trauma in my life and I could really identify with uh, Joe and that character. I mean, it's kind of, it feels autobiographical if I'm honest, except for it's a 40 year old man (laughs) and, you know, it's a pretty much all male cast. Um, but yeah, I'm so once again, I, I really only choose films that, that have meaning and that make people think and that put them in the seat of, um, someone they've, they maybe couldn't have identified with before they saw, that film. And so I'm really trying to do something special with these projects once again, and, and just, you know, take big swings, big chances. We'll see how it all works out again. (laughs) Working so far. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That was our awesome guest, Nadine Crocker, who you can follow at Nadine Crocker on Twitter and Instagram or on her website, NadineCrocker.com. Huge congratulations to her on Continue and on her continued success. 
Folks, I'm a professional writer, and you can enjoy professionally written turns of phrase like that on MovieMaker.com every day, in MovieMaker Magazine, and right here on this podcast, recorded in New York City, land of honking, honking horns. Uh, Please recommend it to a friend, review us, whatever have you. Thank you so much for listening. Congratulations, and thank you again to Nadine. And see everybody really soon.